Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Wish all of you a very happy and healthy hump day. All of you. Except you, perv. Yeah, normally you're the guy that I do wish a happy hump day to. Pervin liar. Except not today. As for all this speculation that they might want you, perv, in East Lansing, the hell they do. They don't want you in East Lansing. At least, they better not want you in East Lansing. I understand that every single time a job comes open, well, a college job, every single time one of those comes open, the Pervin liar rumors are going to start flying around. And I'm sure at some point, maybe one day, there will be a program scummy enough to hire this dude. But there's no way it's going to be Michigan State. At least it better not be Michigan State. Stay to see the grandkids. Because there's no way a program that just fired a head coach for a cause because he brought, quote, public disrespect, contempt, and ridicule upon the university, end quote, through his act of, quote, moral turptitude, end quote. Yeah, there's no way that program is turning to this lying perv to clean things up within that program. There's no way this scandal-ridden athletic department is about to pay somebody a premium and turn the reins over to a scandal-ridden pervin liar. I mean, come on now with that. Come on. Come on. Come on. Dude, stop spreading lies. Stop inserting yourself into every position that comes available. Just stop perving. But enough about perv. Why don't we start the... He's not getting that job. They better not be pursuing him. I'm Michigan State. When are you going to learn? Allegedly. Enough about him and them. Let us start the show on a much better note than that. Let us start the show with some baseball. Hell yes. In fact, why don't we start the show with some MLB playoff history? Minnesota clones. This is for you. It's been a long, excruciating, pathetic, bizarre string of futility in the postseason. You know what I'm talking about. And yesterday, it finally happened. Yesterday, the Twins finally found a win. Ninth inning, two outs, the stretch from Duran. And the pitch, round ball right side, diving stop, Solano, to his feet, beats Duran, steps on the bag, and the Twins win the game! This is for you! The Minnesota Twins beat the Blue Jays 3-1! Thanks, Alvin. Twins win! Twins win! The Minnesota Twins win a playoff game! 3-1 the final! And the longest consecutive postseason losing streak in North American sports history is finally over. I mean, considerable excitement for a wild card game, right? But understandably so. 19 years. 19 years and 18 straight losses. That's the most brutal part. They have made so many trips to the postseason, they just kept getting their asses swept right back out of the postseason. The Twins have actually been a lot more successful than so many people realize since that last playoff win. They've had multiple AL MVPs, a Cy Young, who also won the pitching triple crown, and three, count them, three AL managers of the year. Yet somehow, some way, despite all of that, they couldn't win a single playoff game. Not even a series, a game until last night. And shout-out to former number one overall pick and Orange County kid, Royce Lewis. Dude, just became the third player ever to hit two bombs in his first two postseason plate appearances. He joins Evan Longoria back in 08. And wait for it. Wait for it. Another clone favorite did it. You know who I'm talking about. Clones. Think about that. 08. Who was the biggest thing to you back in 08? Gary Gaetti. In 87, I should say. Longoria in 08. Gaetti in 87. And no. Even though I jacked that up. No, that is not an open invitation to send me emails 
with two T's. I don't want that infamous internet grid getting spread all around the X yet again today. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm tired of trying to explain why I did what I did back in the day. I've owned it a million times over. Don't do it. By the way, speaking of Evan Longoria, not only is this dude still around 15 years after homering in his first two postseason at-bats of his career, he is still making huge, game-altering plays just days before his 38th birthday. Check out this catch that the old man made with the D-backs clinging to a one-run lead with one out and the bases juiced. Brewers down a run. Line drive. To second, it's a double play. Oh, my goodness. Evan Longoria saves the day with a lunging grab, and they turn it into two outs. That old dude was not simply flashing leather right there. He was flashing some serious vert, some serious ups also. It's an incredible play. An incredible play by an incredibly old dude. An incredible play and incredible that my man, Torrey Lavello, has him standing there to make that play, considering Longoria was not the regular third baseman for the stretch run this season. Torrey rode with the Vets' experience, went on a hunch, made the call, and it paid off huge. What I'm saying is my man Torrey never gets enough run and credit. Never gets enough credit. And definitely not getting enough credit for the amazing job he has done with this team this season. So, Tori, my dude, here's some bleeping credit. For real. 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 Give it to him. For real. Another good friend of the program deserves some bleeping credit today. For real. For real. For real. For real. For real. For real, for basically creating a clone-style parody for ESPN's broadcast of Rays Rangers yesterday, here is our dude, Jeff Passan. He's a genius, Passan. He's about to prove it again. Jeff Passan, with this original parody, the Arena, set to the tune of Macarena. There's a guy who hits his name, Randy Arozarena. Every time he takes a swing, it is a thing that's cosa buena. Running around the bases, he's as fast as a hyena. Arozarena. There's a guy who hits his name, Randy Arozarena. Every time he takes a swing, it is a thing that's cosa buena. Running around the bases, he's as fast as a hyena. Arozarena. Hi. Was that Jeff Passan or was that John in Little Rock? Now, I won't go so far as to call him Parody Larry. Parody Larry couldn't do a parody that good if his life depended on it. And no, that's not the Parody Larry bat signal. That's not the Parody Larry signal, Larry. Don't call. Don't call. Don't try to prove me wrong, Larry. You have proved me right so many times over the years. All right, dude, this is not encouragement. This is discouragement. This is not respect. This is disrespect. Bro, you can't do better than that. You can't. No matter what you think. Don't call and don't try to prove me wrong. You've proven me right a million times. And by being right, it's by me thinking that you're a good enough dude, but a hack. I mean, you are a hack, right? You drive a cab. My old man, my old man once said that to me. So I had this best friend in high school, Spots, who then morphed into Tiger in college. And he used to drive a shuttle for the airport. And so my old man, Jay, from Boston, says to him one day, hey, Spots, and he called him Spots. I don't even know if he knew his real name. Hey, Spots, what are you doing now? I'm driving a shuttle. Ah, you're a hack. I'm like, Dad, what do you mean he's a hack? He's a hack. He's a cabbie. I'm like, he's not a cabbie. He drives a shuttle. Anyway, you, on the other hand, Parody Larry, are a hack. You drive a cab, right? I mean, cool. Cool. But you're a hack, and you're a hack-off candidate. If not a hack, I'll participate, right? Your parodies are whack and you're a hack. There, Larry. You got me to talk about you for like one minute. That should be enough. You should be good. Do not call me to try to prove me wrong. Anyway. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. 
Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Was that Jeff Passan or was that John in Little Rock? That was really good. And Passan can do that in his sleep. I'm just not sure that that rises to shaft sugar level. Shaft sugar. Take him right. Shaft sugar. Get him on my team. Shaft sugar. If you know what I mean. So anyway, Jeff Passan, hi. Jeff Passan showed up ready. He was hyped for the Rays and hyped for Rays playoff baseball. Too bad actual Rays fan did not show up with that same level of intensity and energy. Actual Rays fan pretty much didn't show up at all. The reported attendance in Tampa, er, St. Pete, 19,704 peeps. Fewer than 20K showed up for a playoff game. That has not happened in over 100 years of Major League Baseball. That was the lowest attended postseason game of the live ball era. The lowest attended MLB postseason game since the 1919 World Series. I, I, look, I know that we are late arriving and early to leave here in SoCal. But there's a pretty huge difference between a late-arriving crowd and a never-arriving crowd. So good job, good effort, Rays fan. Good job! I don't want to hear about the early start time. I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear anything. This is a really good franchise that has played really good baseball for a really long time. And I'm not. This is important, too. I'm not cracking the 19K that did show up. Credit for showing up. I'm cracking everybody else who didn't. You see, now, they don't have the same problem in Philly. In fact, in Philly, they have the opposite problem. In Philly, they've got fans who are so freaking amped for the playoffs that the get-in price at Citizens Bank Park yesterday was around 200 bucks, or around six times more than the other three games. So Philly fans getting gouged. And you know Philly fan. You don't want to mess with Philly fan. Place was already absolutely packed, and then Philly fans showed up like they always do. As Bryce Harper put it before the game, this city and this team are still vibing. We're a family in here, and you know it's forty thousand people out there plus twenty six. We started last year as well. I mean, it's just we all you know vibe the same way, and we have such a great team, such good personalities in here that that match so well with this fan base and this city as well, and um, just a lot of fun. Well said. 40,000 plus 26. Everybody vibing the same way. The players' personalities match so well with the fan base. I agree with all that. That's probably why everybody just assumed that Nick Castellanos was flipping everybody off from second base last night. Did you check that out? Even his teammates, even the Phillies dugout, assumed that that's what he was doing because that was a totally impromptu first-time celebration. Dude gets to second base, and he flashes a finger back to the dugout. So everybody assumed he was flipping them the bird. Except it was not the typical Philly finger, a.k.a. the bird. Was it, Nick? And you were on second base tonight. A lot of people around America thought you flipped the bird. But was it the ring finger? Of course it was the ring finger, man. Why would I give the middle finger to my teammates? I love them. I know. Well, I just want to clear it up for the internet. And, And the ring finger, you're looking for that ring? That's why we're here, man, Red October. I mean, Nick, (laughs) what do you mean, why would anybody think that? No offense, bro. But nobody 
would have been at all surprised if you were flipping the bird back to your own dugout. In fact, it would have been the most Philly thing ever. Not even flipping off your own fans. Because believe me, they flip you off. Not you. I just mean generically. Their own athletes. They booed Mike Schmidt for years to make him a better player. I mean, not even Santa Claus. Never mind that nonsense. Mike Schmidt, arguably the greatest third baseman of all time. They booed him to make him a better player. So the most Philly thing ever is not their own fans booing their own or flipping off their own, but it would have been Philly player not booing Philly fan, but booing his, or flipping off his own team. That would have been incredible. And that would not have been surprising. Dude's acting like, what do you think, man? Why would I flip off my own team? Why would I give the middle finger well, to my team? Why teammates? wouldn't you, Nick? You play in Philadelphia. We expect it. And then when we come to find out that that's not what you did, we're really disappointed by that. And honestly, that celebration would have been way better than flashing a ring finger. You know how many athletes always push back when their fans come at them by saying, do you really think that you want to win more than us, more than I do, more than everybody in this locker room or dugout? I mean, players say that all the time. And normally I agree. Why would the fans want to win more than the athletes themselves? Except in the case of Philadelphia. In the case of Philadelphia, I'm sure that Philly fan wants it more than Philly athlete a lot of the time. Let me ask you this. You tell me, have you ever seen Philly athlete crushing a horse crap sando in the name of victory? No, but I've seen Philly fan do it. And why do you think those cops in Philly grease all those light poles with Crisco? Not to keep Philly athlete from climbing them, but to keep Philly fan off of them. And even then it doesn't work. If Philly athlete wanted to win as badly as Philly fan does, Philly athlete would get to the top of that pole and take a tomahawked bottle of Grey Goose off the dome. So, sorry, Nick. Sorry for assuming that you were flashing your dugout and your crowd and the rest of America the bird. Of course it was the ring finger, man. Sorry we assumed that. And I'm even more sorry that that's not what you were doing. Because while you think that celebration was pretty cool, the ring finger celebration, doing what we thought you did would have been 10 times cooler. Why would I give the middle finger to my teammates? Because you play in Philadelphia? Because that's what Philly fan does? And if Philly fan does that, Philly athlete should do that? Because Philly fan would love that? And Philly fan, don't you dare get this twisted. You know I love you. I love you because of stuff like this. Why do you think I'm spending so much time on this? In fact, if I'm being real Philly fan, I am Philly fan. I'm Philly fan, and I'm Philly fan on the show, and you don't even know it. If I'm being real Philly fan, I have long since looked up to you. I have long since channeled you. You have long since been an incredible inspiration to me, Philly fan. If I'm being real Philly fan, just between you and I, Nick... Well, and the millions watching the CBS broadcast. Back in the day, before cameras were let into this studio, I would always go middle finger. Nothing disrespectful. Flip the bird. All hype, all juice. When something good would happen on the program, I would flip somebody off. You know, like if flip I had a bird. good call, a call that got racked, man, the bird... The bird. Rack him. To the call. Hell yes, rack him. Bird, bird. Middle finger, middle finger. Hey, Jeff and Richmond, bleep you. Rack Whoa, him. Heck. And in-studio guests like, I don't know, back in the day, Michael Franzis. Mike was incredible. Bird right in his face. And that's not a guy you want to do that to either. But Mike understood it was a sign of respect. On a Friday, after a week that was... And Alvy nailed it. I'd be like, hell yes! Double bird, Alvy! And then he'd throw one right back at me. So I got you, Nick. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Of course we thought that's what you were doing. Man, I... I here's what I have to think. Why didn't you do that? <laughs>
Oh, Albie. You know how many times Albie yeah, flipped me off before we turned cameras on this show? Why would I give the middle finger to my teammates? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> anyway, that was a little bit disappointing that that's not what that was. I really hope that's what that was. I assume that's what that was. That would have been the most Philly thing ever. Hell, I've been doing it myself for years. I'll, I'll never forget. They used to be on me like, hey, man, you need to do a simulcast. You got to put the thing on TV. And I would say, you know, I don't really want to do that. And I would always say to the executives, it's kind of like the theater of mind. I don't want to let them in. I want them to imagine what it is. All right, the truth's coming out. You want to know why I didn't want to do it? Because I knew that I couldn't flip anybody off anymore. That's why I didn't want to televise the show. All right, I said it, for the record. I knew I couldn't flip off Alvi. I couldn't flip off the callers. I couldn't flip off the XR4TI. I couldn't flip off my in-studio guests. That's why I didn't want to put this thing on TV. Now you know. Finally, all these years later, it comes out because of Nick. Great work, Cindy. Great job with my hair. Boom! Uh, thanks, Jim. Right back at you. No. You right back at me with the double bird. All right, boss. Boom! You flipped the bird. Anyway, that, that was really disappointing. The, the ring finger celebration? Nick, you're a good dude and a good player, but come on, man. You're in Philly. Of course you can flip off your dugout. Of course it was the ring finger, man. They'd understand. They'd be top-stepping it. Let me talk to you for a moment about one of my favorite products ever, HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh? What it is is farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store. You can count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable, and that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Kickstart a fresh fall routine with HelloFresh. HelloFresh handles all the meal planning and shopping to deliver everything you need to cook up a tasty meal right at home. They do the hard part, and you get to take credit. And when it comes to options, honestly, more is more. That's why HelloFresh's menu includes 40 recipes and over 100 add-on items to choose from every single week. I love it. Comes right to the doorstep, all these tremendous ideas and great meals. Find out for yourself. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. Use the code 50Rome for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Once again, HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. Make sure to use the code 50Rome and get 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. Eric Burns is my guest. Dude, what is going on, Eric? Hey, Romy, all good. Great to hear your voice. And this is just a fantastic time of year with the playoffs starting, college football in full swing, the NFL going strong. This is a cool time to be a sports fan, man. My man, the very best time to be a sports fan. Hey, listen, I don't even know where to start, right? We had four wild card games yesterday. We've got four more today. Let me just put it over and hand it to you. What cost caught your attention most of all yesterday? What's the one thing, Eric, you knew you would go off on on one of your platforms today? The Arizona Diamondbacks are for real. And when you look at what they did yesterday, and let's just start with Corbin Carroll, because I don't know how many of your listeners – actually realize how freaking good this kid is 20 over 20 homers like over 25 homers the dude almost went 30 60 so we're making this huge deal about Acuna right and he's in whatever year he is in his major league career Corbin Carroll who is sort of this combination between like a Jose Altuve and Mark McGuire dude like it's it's insane (laughs) what this guy is doing and the pop that he has when he hits the ball, look at his barrel release. It's it's I, I, we would call this tension free barrel release back in the day where it doesn't even look like he's hitting it. And then next, you know, the ball's going 440 feet. And the fact that he's five foot nothing and doing this, this is one of the best players in all of major league baseball that nobody knows about. And I think if he continues to lead the charge, obviously, They'll get by the Brewers. The game for the Brewers to win was yesterday. 
they they had their guy Corbin Burns on the mound, and then it was Carroll and then Cattell Marte. Dude got the snot jammed out of him in his first at bat. Burns was throwing these cutters in, cutters in, cutters in, and then he ambushed him on the first pitch of his second at bat. That was the home run that tied the game, and then the D-backs went on to win 6-3. So that was really the big story for me yesterday. I think we, you know, with Philly, they did what we thought they were going to do. And then the other big one, I don't know if you talked about it, but the Tampa Bay race, uh, not only did they lay an egg in their first postseason game here in 2023, but 19,000 people, 19,000 showed up to watch this team. This is a city and a team that just decided that they're going to build a new you know, $1 billion, $2 billion complex. Do they deserve it? 19,000 people showing up on a team that's like a perennial playoff team now? I think it's a joke. So uh, glad the Texas Rangers took it to them yesterday. Um, so that's, yeah, those are the kind of things off the top that caught my attention, Romy. Hell yes, only Eric Burns. You know what? I did actually hit on every one of those things except for Corbin Carroll, which I was going to ask you about because for those who don't know, to your point, 25 50, 10, he's a rookie, he's 23. I mean, dude, this guy is a freak. He is a freak show. What about the Twins, Eric? They snapped their playoff record, 18-game postseason losing streak. That goes all the way back to 4 They got that win over the Blue Jays. Win today and they advance. Given how nasty their pitching staff is, how much are you buying the Twins right now? Sonny Gray can go out there and do what he's been doing. He's been this reclamation project that is – been very good i i don't know i mean are you really that excited about the twinkies apparently it was an electric atmosphere the opposite of what tampa was yesterday you look at the matchup if they are able to get by the blue jays then they have to face houston houston was playing as well as anybody down the stretch sweeping the diamondbacks in that last series I, I can't get crazy excited about the Twins. Now, you know what's something funny about that? Because I was looking at the 18 postseason losses in a row, which is just unfathomable. But the last team that the Twins actually beat uh, to win a postseason series, I believe, was in 2002. And that was against my Oakland A's. And I, I'll never – it was A.J. Perzinski and the Minnesota Twins. Who else? And I – yeah, who else? It, 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 a fun story about that. Do it. Is, uh, it was, jeez, uh, Perzinski hits the homer. Uh, and he's a big homer in, like, game five. And he steps on home plate. And he, and he, and he looks at our catcher right in the face. He goes, booyah! <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. So he was always known as booyah for the rest of his career, but... Dude, AJ's a funny dude, man. He's obviously he's, he's doing really well. They have a, him and Scott Braun have a podcast they do that's a, a little no-filter ass that I appreciate. Yeah, nobody like him. We're talking to Eric Burns. Speaking of a no-filter podcast, Eric, I love the fact you've teamed up with Will Clark. Now, the thrill, man, the thrill was something else when he played, and then he was something else to deal with as a member of the media when he played. I love seeing the two of you guys right now. What's it like chopping it up with him on that pod, and does he enjoy it? He obviously enjoys it because there's certain days where I'll be questioning whether or not we're going to do a show. And I got him calling me going, dude, we got to get on there tonight. Wow. He is one of the more opinionated people that I've ever met. Um, He has a very unique way in delivering it. I think that, look, TV, for example, is for certain people. And they, they have a way, and you know these guys, Romy, because they have a way of beautifully articulating exactly what they want to say, and it comes across very polished, it's clean, it's short, it's concise, it's made for TV. And then there's guys like Will Clark, for example, where if you put him on TV and you put him in like an analyst role or you have him, say, try to go on an MLB network or an ESPN and break down this or that, it's not going to be what you would expect. Yet you give him an hour-plus platform to go off and speak freely and drop however many F-bombs or S-bombs or whatever else he wants to say, it is going to be some of the most brilliant baseball talk that you've ever heard. And it's, you know, really that's kind of the concept of No Filter Network is to be able to speak freely, be able to have an opinion, 
to be a platform, not only for, you know, former Major League Baseball players to be able to come on and talk about it, but basically for anybody to be able to have an opinion and join the conversation. That's what's so unique about this. But what I've learned with Thrill, you know, in, in doing this is that when you give somebody, it's like, it's just like a manager, right? Like putting somebody in position to succeed is the ultimate goal we should all have in life. And I think, you know, that no filter network platform for thrill is putting him in a position to succeed. And I've learned more about the game. Um, I think in the you know, two years of doing this podcast with him than I did in my entire 11 seasons playing in the big leagues. It, it's just, a, it's a, it's a brilliant baseball mind. And I, you know, I, I don't know how much you've talked, probably very little, but you know, Kapler got fired the other day and you have this managerial job opening with the San Francisco giants and I went over, I even made a whole No Filter Network video about potential candidates. Matt Williams, I mentioned, who's the third base coach of the Padres. Now Bob Melvin was another one. Mark DeRosa, who I worked with at MLB Network, was a Team USA manager. Uh, Hunter Pence, I think, would be a quirky, uh, quirky guy to come in and take the job. But he's a really, really smart guy, a little bit of old school, blended with the new school analytics. And I think the one guy you can hand the keys to for the next 20 years is Buster Posey. And you don't have to be dependent on record or this or that. Just say, hey, Ben, you're, you're our guy. You know, go run with it. Now, I mentioned those five candidates, but in the caption of this Instagram post was, of course, my number one pick would be Will Clark. And I, I, just, I, can't, lose, I can't lose him. To, uh, or I can't, Deuce is wild. Can't afford to lose him. But could you imagine? I mean, you, you know, you've been around long enough to, to really know what Will Clark meant to the San Francisco Giants. I, if, if the Giants don't at least have a conversation with him about potentially managing that team, I think they're crazy. Really quickly, before I get to the pitch, Eric, does he want that job? Would he do it? I asked him this last night, Romy, and basically he said the only way he would consider it is if he was able to have a conversation with upper management, being Farhan Zaidi, ownership group, as far as the type of baseball team that he would like to run. So what he is, is really say disturbed about or just disappointed about in the way the direction things went with the San Francisco Giants is that they didn't work, bro. Like, the batting practice became optional. Uh, the platoons became so outrageous that they were never, ever, like, it was so rare they were run, ever running out the same lineup. So you got a bunch of guys that were playing out of position and you had a bunch of guys that were playing different positions every single night. Well, what does that mean? It means your defense is going to be terrible. The Giants have the worst defense. Bernsey, 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 I never do it. I'm going to jump in. I want, Go shoot, ahead, you and I can do this for hours. However, of you course. are appearing courtesy of KT Tape. I need you to get that in. What is the product? And giving you the, the, you're the maniac that you are. What do you use it for? So you guys have probably seen it. A bunch of people running around with tape on their body thinking, what is that? It's very simple. Uh, you know, it's literally promoting blood flow to the area. So you put the tape on, it lifts up the skin, and it promotes blood flow to that localized area. What happens when the blood starts flowing is all of a sudden the inflammation reduces, promoting recovery. As we get older, dude, bro, I was in your neighborhood, by the way, playing some pickleball not too long ago with Dan Heron. Uh, you know, I, I had a couple epic battles with him. I'm sore. I throw on the tape. I put it on the, I put it on the hamstring. You can leave it on for up to a week. It's, it's, it's crazy. It, it is like the miracle tape. I'm not going to pimp a product that I don't use. So between that and the coaching baseball and the throwing the endless rounds of batting practice that I do to my kids as hard as, hard as I can, it's been, a, it's been a savior for me. So if you are active – you know, again, as we all age, just you want to really pay attention to making sure that you recover properly. And KT Tape has been awesome. Nailed it, EB. Dude, Heron lives right up the street. How do you not bang on my door? Dude, I thought about it. I was asking him. And he's uh, saying, hey, you're right up there. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was fun, man. Yeah, we dominated those pickleball courts for a few hours. U.S. Cellular knows how important your kids' relationship with technology is, and they have made it their mission to help them establish good digital habits early on. That's why they have partnered with Screen Sanity, a nonprofit dedicated to helping kids navigate the digital landscape. And for a smarter start to the school year, U.S. Cellular is also offering a free basic phone on new eligible lines, providing an alternative 
alternative to a smartphone for kids. Start smarter with U.S. Cellular. Visit uscellular.com slash built for us to find out more. Restrictions to apply. Visit uscellular.com for terms. It brings me absolutely no pleasure to say it either. In fact, I wish I didn't have to say it, but I do have a job to do. There are a lot of great Raider fan clones in the jungle. Raider head coach has great history with the jungle. I really thought that he was ready this time around. I will own this. I loved the hire of Raider coach. I think even Raider fan liked that hire. But talk show host loved the hire of Raider coach. I believed Raider coach would kill it this time. Giving everything Raider coach had gone through and how long he had to wait and the perspective he came back with and everything he was saying when he was hired, I thought it was damn near a lock when nothing is. I mean, I would have all but guaranteed this would all go so much differently than it's currently going, which is almost as badly as it could possibly go. What I'm saying is it's not going well for Josh McDaniels. In fact, it's not really going well for any of the Raiders, especially the bull cut himself, especially the owner, especially the ginger, especially Mark Davis. For all of the Raiders' problems, bull cut might be the biggest one. And somehow it's almost like bull cut has no idea whatsoever. He seemingly does not know that he's a problem. He seemingly does not know that Raider fan is out of his mind. He's so unhappy, which is why I guess he parked himself in the front of a suite at SoFi Stadium this past weekend in full view of the fans. Part of me wants to give him credit. Like, I'm not hard to find. I mean, he's not looking. For real. Personal appearances are not show fodder, but this dude isn't hard to find. Look at him. There's not a person on the planet who looks like this guy, right? Not hard to find. However, I kind of give him credit. He's not posted up in the back of a suite hiding. He's right there. Front and center where anybody can see him and more importantly, get to him including Raider fan. Raider fan basically could get right up in this dude's face during the game on Sunday. And then the least surprising thing ever happened. Raider fan got right up in his face on Sunday. And this is what happened. That's actual audio of actual Raider fans actually screaming F McDaniels, fire McDaniels, right into Bull Cut's grill. Understand that although the audio is clear, you don't see the video, so it might seem like he's way off in the distance. That's not the case. This dude literally is up in his face. Or almost right up in his face. Enough, close enough to his face that the bowl cut responded, which I'll get to in a minute. But again, one more time, Albie, you've got Raider fan enraged, dropping F-bombs, saying F McDaniels, fire McDaniels, right in the owner's face. Because, of course, that was going to happen. The hell else did this dude think was going to happen? Just sitting out there in full view of the public, about five feet from an aisle. I mean, at that point, why not just kick it up in the nosebleeds and get into a drunken brawl and let your hands go with one of your own fans like those viral fan fight videos that get posted every single week that the NFL would love to make go away? Of course, Raider fan was going to find this dude in that seat. And of course, Raider fan was going to scream at this dude in that seat. And of course, Raider fan was going to let the cut know exactly how unhappy Raider fan is right now. A bull cut, having a little bit of that Al Davis in him, was not about to back down. He tried to respond, 
He tried. See if you can make out what he said in response to F. McDaniels. All right, so chaos. I know, I know that's hard to pull out what the cut had to say. There's some chaos there. If you could hear it, though, in the middle of all that unhinged, unrestrained, pure hatred, Bullcut's comeback was, quote, smarten up. Smarten up. Alvi, you're a genius. I know you can't fix everything. Is there any way for you to isolate that extract that, separate that, and pull that out so we can hear it. Again. All right, that's the bowl cut's response to F. McDaniels, Fire McDaniels, quote, smarten up. This is Mark Davis's message to Raider fan. Not just Raider fan, but incensed Raider fan. Because that's what Raider fan wants to be told. You're dumb. Smarten up. Incensed Raider fan. That's what incensed Raider fan wants, is the owner to question his or her intelligence. That's what he's saying right now to those who want Josh McDee fired. Of all things, for that dude to say to his own paying customers, smarten up. Smarten up is incredibly rich. You mean smarten up, like go out and hire John Gruden and Mike Mayock, that kind of smarten up? Or smarten up like, and this is going to hurt me a lot, but smarten up like go out and replace Gruden with my dude Josh McDee, that kind of smarten up? Last year, when the team was 2-7, and seven, Mark Davis came out and defended Josh, Josh using the brilliant Ryan Inventura line, quote, Rome wasn't built in a day. Hey, uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? Right you are, Ryan, ah. and now you're done. Right? That's what Mark Davis said. Mark Davis really did say that. When they were 2-7 and seven last year, he said, look, Rome was not built in a day. So Ryan in Ventura, if you were playing 4-D chess yesterday, and you were actually trolling the Raiders when you called here and dropped that line on me, then, dude, good on you. If I misread or missed an all-time epic troll job, my bad. Except I seriously doubt that that's what you were doing. I'm still guessing you were playing checkers as opposed to 4-D chess. But if that's the case, extremely well played. Hey, no. uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? No, it certainly was right not, dude. Are, and now you're gone. Rome was not built in a day. The problem for my guy Josh is when Mark Davis said that initially, they were 2-7. and seven. Now my guy is 7-14. and 14. And I'm not saying that I'd be, quote, run his ass off like Bob in L.A. would. Thank goodness he's all right. I'm not saying that about Josh. I'm not saying I'd run his ass off tomorrow. But I'm saying Raider fan is really upset and frankly justified in their frustration. And you know what the worst part is? It's not just Raider fan. It's also Raider player. That has to be the most alarming thing of all for Raider Nation right now. That the players are doing and saying things in the locker room that are similar to what Raider fan is saying outside the locker room, but maybe without the F-bombs. As an example, at least publicly, as an example, my other dude, my other Josh, Josh Jacobs, had this to say after the loss Sunday. I'm tired of losing. Just keep it 100. I'm tired of losing, man. And uh, I mean, I, I feel like every day I go in there and I, and I work so So eventually something got to give. The fact that it's close... Is it like, okay, we're right there, or is it just... Nah, man, that make it worse. <laughs> that make it worse, man, because that, that just means, you know, five to six plays, you do them right. Difference in the outcome of the game. But, it's, but at the same time, you're tired of saying five or six plays, difference in the outcome of the game. It's just time to do that. I mean, there's nothing good about that. Whenever a guy says just keeping it 100, that's not good. 
And then when a guy talks about it's hard to lose, that's not good because that means they're losing a lot. And then when a guy says we've come so close so many times, then that speaks to what? Culture. They don't know how to finish. They don't know how to win. And who does that stick to? The head coach, unfortunately. And that's not just one disgruntled guy who maybe is not happy with the way he's being used. That's a star who's critical to what they do. Just as Devontae Adams is a star and critical to what they do. And he also was critical of what's going on there. I don't got time to wait around. You know, I mean, it's not a personal thing. I mean, it is a personal thing, but it ain't just about me. But I mean, it's not my mentality to sit here and try to take all season to figure it out. You use these early games like this to establish our identity. And we, uh, we're not doing things the right way to, to establish a winning culture um, early in the season. So we got to do something to, to turn that around. All right, so that's arguably the best receiver in the game. Quote, we're not doing things the right way to establish a winning culture early in the season, so we got to do things to turn something around. You know, like, you can hear it. What he's saying is we should already have a culture. We should already have an identity. Problem is, they do have an identity, but it's not the one you want. It's an identity of we're not winning close games. It's an identity of we're not executing when we have to. It's an identity of we are not winning. This is all bad for the coach which I hate to say because I love the guy, but it's bad for the coach. It's a bad look for everybody, but establishing an identity and a culture is the head coach's job. And if that weren't enough evidence that there are people in the locker room that are upset, how about this? How about Marcus Peters liking a fire Josh McDaniels Instagram post this week? Yeah, I'm sure that was just a slip of the finger. A whoopsie... A whoops like, oh, no, no, no. I didn't mean to hit like. I was going to take up for my coach. You got a player, a named player, liking fire the coach posts? Also no bueno. But at least he didn't go full Chandler Jones and accuse the coach of having Aaron Hernandez killed. And the fact that I just had to say that says pretty much everything you need to know about what a complete and total bleep show the Raiders are right now. And we all know Raider fan is used to pain and misery and humiliation. But even for Raider fan, this pain and misery and humiliation is above and beyond. Which is why Mark Davis, the bowl cut, If you want a pleasant experience watching your football team get their asses handed to them in person, I don't know, my guy. Maybe you should make sure that your seat is not within screaming distance of your own fans because there's only one thing that's going to happen if your fans can get within earshot of you, and it's this. Does it surprise anybody that Raider fan was willing to get up in the owner's face and F-bomb him the way he did? We are joined by Terrapins head coach Mike Loxley. Mike, it is great to have you back on. Nice to talk to you. Mike, what's up? How are you? I'm good, Jim, and uh, appreciate you having me on. It's good to have you back on, Mike. Now, I would normally ask you how you're feeling about your team, but given the fact that you are undefeated off your best start since 2001, I'm guessing you're feeling pretty darn good about that team. Let me ask you this instead. What are the biggest reasons why this team is playing as well as it is and off to such a great start? You know what, and I, I said this at the media day we had there in Indianapolis that I thought this team was now ready to compete for Big Ten championships. And for me, it started with just what I've seen from January until now. Um, we have an unbelievable locker room, an unbelievable culture that's uh, been been built there and a foundation that really has helped us kind of sustain where we are. Um, I love this team. I love coaching them. There's a really tight-knit brotherhood about it. And the good teams I've been a part of have had this type of feel. 
So uh, more the culture, more the brotherhood, more the the way these these guys interact with each other has made it really a fun team to coach, and it's played a major role in, in us getting off to the start we've had. You know, I really appreciate that response, Mike. It's kind of redundant. I've asked the question before, but I'm always curious about this. Since you went right to the culture, my question is, what comes first, the winning or the culture? I know they come hand in hand, but can you have that culture without winning, or do you need the winning to have that culture? No, because we, we, we went through some – I think what you need to have this kind of culture is to go through adversity together. And anybody that knows the program here the last four years, you know, when I walked in the doors, I was coming into a situation where we had just lost a player in Jordan McNair. Uh, there was a, a lot of turmoil within the program, and we had to steady the ship there first and create a, a solid foundation. Um, so I'd say the culture definitely uh, has been forged through the adversity of, of some tough tough days some tough conversations maybe some tough decisions having to be made and what we're seeing now in year five are the fruits of it and you know as I've said I mean it's not me it's not just the players we've got a tremendous staff Uh, my boss Damon Evans and Colleen Storm who I work with on a day-to-day basis have continued to give us the resources to go out and and navigate this new world we're in 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 college football so um, I'd say the culture definitely has come before uh, the winning the winning is a byproduct of it. Mike Loxley is joining us, so I can follow you up on a number of things there. But you mentioned your AD, Damon Evans, so let me ask you about him. You were at New Mexico, and that's not an easy gig. Now, none of them are. It's never easy to win no matter where you are. But you've credited Damon with giving you the opportunity to lead this program, and you absolutely have proven him right. How would you describe that relationship you have with him? And then what does coaching Maryland represent to you as a D.C. native? Yeah, I think the first part of it is what the, the Damon situation. You know, obviously he's uh, in a similar situation I've been in. He's faced a little adversity in his career, uh, had to restart or rebrand himself after, uh, you know, some of the things that he went through down at Georgia. And I did the same thing at New Mexico. And what I think we both know is that failure isn't final and that you often learn more from failing than you do from success. And, you know, I know I always credit a lot to the time I spent at Alabama the last three years before taking this thing over. But I will still tell you, I learned more the two years and four games that I failed and got to learn uh, as a head coach at the University of New Mexico than I did the three years going to three straight national championships at Alabama. And so I would say that Damon and I are kind of locked and step and that we understand that you know what um, it's going to take alignment and us being on the same page and, and, and us supporting each other he needed me and I needed him to hire me to give me this opportunity and so we both had skin in the game and it's great to sit back down and watch as we continue to, to build this thing um, together that to see what the work has provided us thus far and, and, and again I always say we're, we're not there yet and, and by no means are we complacent but it is it does feel good to know that together we've been able to do this. My bad. I'm sorry about that, Coach. Yeah, I was going to say, one, I wanted to reset who I was talking to. I always do that, and especially when it's a conversation this good. Michael Loxley joining us. I mean, to be in lockstep with the AD is so important. I get that you've got so much work to do still yet, and you've got a major, major opportunity in front of you this weekend, but is there any part of you, like not only have you won five in a row, and you're off to your best start in years, but you've won seven in a row dating back to last year. You've won 15 of your last 20, and I'm not sure how many folks outside that program saw this program doing something like this as humble as you are as much gratitude as you have is there any part of you that wants to say how y'all like us now no it's too early for that you know what i'd like to do is use this opportunity that we're presented this weekend to to test to, to see to just see who we are i mean this is a great test for us game six halfway through the season for us to to be measured against the best in, in our league, if not the country, to see where we stack up. And, and you talked about the whole being from the D.C. area. And, you know, one of the things I've always prided myself on, and, and hopefully the team takes on the personality of a leader, is, you know, too many teams lose games and haven't been at Alabama. You can smell the blood that they have when they lose games before you even play because they're playing a reputation. And the one thing I can say about kids from the DMV, and if they're not from here or kids that are 
or in our program that inherit this grittiness of this area is we're not going to lose to the Ohio State mystique or to the name on the front of the jersey. They're going to have to beat us. And, you know, our team has the belief that we can go in. And, you know, it's, it's not about beating Ohio State as much as it is us playing to the best of our ability. And that's what we focus the energy on, which is why we always say it's more Terps versus Terps than Terps versus any other opponent. And, uh, you know, I can tell you going into Saturday, we're excited about the opportunity. I don't think anybody's, uh, you know, have made up in their mind that it's not something that can be done. And, and we're, we're just going to have to go see what it is and run into that storm. Hey, Mike, I think Terps versus Terps is kind of like, that applies to all of us. I mean, that's you versus you, right? I mm-hmm. approach my life that way. You versus you. As long as you're winning those personal battles, that's all you can do anyway. You can't control anything right. else, but it's you versus you, Terps versus Terps. I fully understand that. What about the environment? You've been there before. The shoe is unlike pretty much any other place. There are some hostile environments, but what's it like going into that environment and what are you expecting from that standpoint this weekend well it's a tough environment you know I went there in 07 with the unranked Illinois team and, and they were number one in the country and we found a way to, to to put enough plays together and that's where you know for me to getting this team ready I said it ain't going to be about coaches and scheme it's going to be about our best players showing up in a big time game and making big time plays and um, and so again the environment there it'll be homecoming I think we're we're on the deck for every homecoming during the month of October, so it's our, our, our homecoming uh, ride. Uh, it'll be a great environment. Our guys will be excited. Um, it's definitely a tough place to win, um, but you know what? What an opportunity for us, and I know we're looking forward to it. Hey, Mike, how about that? Your, everybody else's homecoming game? How's that for fuel? I mean, it's great. It's external. It's just funny when you look at the calendar and every time you find out it's we're playing somebody for homecoming. I'm like, wow. I guess we're we're the we're the person that they like to invite for their homecoming games. Are they not paying attention? Are they not seeing what's going on there? I don't think. Before I let you go, you talked about some of the players. Why don't we talk? You need your stars to play like stars, obviously. What about your quarterback, Talia Tungvailoa? You coached his older brother Tua at Bama. And he started his career with the Todd before transferring to Maryland. He earned Big Ten Player of the Week honors after throwing five touchdowns. What do you appreciate most about the younger bro? What's his separation? You know, you know, unlike Tua, you know, Tua is a people pleaser. Leah is more of a super hyper competitive guy that hates losing. And, you know, nobody has done more for our program as a player than what Leah has brought to the table for us and in, in the, the resurgence of, of where we are today. And he's done it in a tremendous, humble way. He isn't a guy that likes to take the credit. He's not a huge media guy or media darling, but he has such a tremendous impact. And I often define leadership is being able to have a positive impact on other people and and you can just see anybody that watches the way we practice the way he uh, goes out and does his work on a day-to-day basis that he has a tremendous amount of respect from his teammates but also has a tremendous impact on how we go play and, and and we'll only go as far as he goes and Mike, let me ask you this before you go. Since you've coached both brothers, they might be different in the way their personalities are, but they're both extremely humble. What can you share about their family on a personal level and their parents, Nalu and Diane specifically? Man, they are both byproducts of, of Nalu and Diane. And, you know, Nalu is probably the, um, the more fiery one, and I would say Leah has a little more Nalu in him. Uh, Miss Diane is the sweetest, most loving uh, person that you'd ever get a chance to meet, but she is ultra competitive as well. So I think both boys got the competitiveness there. Um, obviously, they've been trained, and their foundation as quarterback play has come from Nalu's teaching. And um, I think he's one of the best quarterback developers, and, and he's able to do it with young kids and give them strong foundations. So, you know, anybody that knows the Samoan culture, family, faith are very, very important to them. And, and it's no different with both these guys and this family. And I've known them now since 2016, 2015, and uh, they've become like family to me. Hmm. Mike, so one thought about receivers before you go. You've been around some really gifted receivers in your time, including Calvin Ridley, Devontae Smith while you were at Alabama. I'm curious about your opinion. What makes Buckeyes wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. the elite playmaker he is? 
you know, I think just his ability, these, these contested catches for him, you know, he can run every route in the route tree. He's got the length and size you want. And for a big receiver, he has little man, short area quickness. And to me, it's usually you don't get that out of a longer, more linear guy, the ability to have that short area quickness to run the, the, the mid-range option type routes. But he can run any route on the field from any position, slot, X, Z, um, and then his ability to go make contested catches has been second to none. I mean, I've studied that position a long time, and Randy Moss is the best at at these contested catches, and he makes it very routine. Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up, Mike, before I was going to let you go, but he came on the show the other day, and honestly, all the years I've done this, Mike, Randy Moss has never been on this program. Have you ever been around a guy who had more it, more personality, that one thing, that intangible thing that you really cannot describe or explain, but you know it when you see it? Yeah, Jalen Hurts is a lot like that, but Randy probably started it, which is why a lot of, you know, he has verbs named after him when he say, you got mossed. So uh, he definitely has it factor. You know, Gunnar Brewer, my receiver coach, coached him in in college at Marshall and I hear these stories about him and and to see it. But I would say Jalen Hurts is probably one of those guys that has the it factor when he walks in and you just kind of know it. He just is a winner. I got it. So you got Maryland. They're 5-0. and They are 2-0 in Big Ten play. They've got an amazing opportunity coming up this weekend against number four, Ohio State. Their head coach is Mike Loxley, who has done a tremendous job in his fifth season. Mike, I appreciate you. Can't wait to see how you guys show up in the shoe. Good luck this weekend, and great to have you back. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate you for having me, buddy. Good night, now!